0: i
1: Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful Monday evening as we get started with another episode of 60 Seconds with Dr. OJ. This is another wonderful week in the month of February. It is my birth month, and I'm very, very excited and privileged to share another wonderful story of victory. You know, on 60 Seconds with Dr. OJ, we always want to tell authentic stories, real stories of everyday people overcoming life's obstacles, and still doing the most to add value. Like I always tell you guys, every life has value. Everybody has something that they carry within themselves that they're able to contribute to make the world a better place. The only difference is some of us push beyond the boundaries of mediocrity in order to get to those values, and in order to get to that place of making the impact that we're supposed to, as we all should. But unfortunately, we know that when we look at humanity on a larger scale, not everybody gets to the point of, first of all, identifying what their gifts are. Some people identify their gifts, but they're not able to stay motivated enough to continue to pursue the development of those gifts in order to make it valuable to present to the world. And some people are faced with obstacles things that stop them in their tracks. And then once they get stopped with those obstacles, they don't have a way, or they're not able to muster up the courage to get up and start moving forward again. And that is the situation that our guests, you know, some of our guests find themselves. But our guest today was able to change the narrative. She was able to pull herself out of whatever the situation is that she found herself. So we're gonna tell the story of Ms. Deborah Vick today. And we're gonna tell it from a place of not to feel sorry for her, not to say, oh, woe is me, oh my God, come here, my pity party sub story. We're gonna tell this story today from a place of victory. We're gonna tell it today from a place of disability to becoming a pageant queen. Wow wow, wow. How do you even maneuver that? How do you even begin to think that that is a possibility? But Deborah Deborah Vick is a testament to so many wonderful women, young girls, any human being living and breathing out there to say, if I could have made this work, you can too. I'm watching Ms. Deborah Vick on another device right now, and she has breathing tubes in her nose. She has several things that helps her to carry out activities of daily living. These are things that regular folks like you and I take for granted. Yet, a lot of us who have all of our abilities intact, we don't do half as much as Deborah Vick. And for that, I am so privileged and honored to be able to share this platform with her to tell her story today. Welcome, Ms. Deborah
2: Vick. Thank you so much, Dr. Jay. I, I... I really appreciate you know this opportunity. And I know we met in Clubhouse and, and we we're sharing our stories. And for those that are listening, I have, as it was explained, I have multiple rare diseases. I have at least four disease, rare diseases and many comorbidities, but that's not really the story of uh, what I like to share about. And although I have a wheelchair, I do have full back braces, leg braces, and oxygen amongst many other things. My story is about overcoming the odds, finding ways to make things happen, to find a way to still share my story, to still give back to the world in uh, in a heart-centered, heart-centered servant leadership perspective. I'm really aware of my limitations, but I'm also aware that I can still make a difference. And that is a For me, and especially the reason why I'm doing this Miss Wheelchair competition this year and serving as Miss Wheelchair California USA, I want women of all ages, all abilities, all socioeconomic, ethnic backgrounds for every single one of us to realize there is beauty in everything and in all of us. And that is a big reason why I became an advocate in terms of this beauty pageant. and and in terms of my medical advocacy and education awareness advocacy.
1: Wow, Ms. Deborah, sorry, it's this weather, but we're gonna keep moving forward. I'm telling you, you know, that introduction does not even do justice to who you are. (laughs) And you know, the work that you do every single day, you do it in spite of everything else. So now we're going to double back a little bit so that everyone can understand A little bit. Because I don't think we can ever understand all of it. It would be insincere for me to say I can understand all of it. I could never, ever understand all of what you've been through. But what I can say is I've met you now. And now I am determined to use the knowledge that I have about your story, the knowledge about the heart, the kind of person that you are, to take that and help you spread that message a little bit farther, faster to hopefully help wake up some people, to encourage some other people, to give some people the hope that they need, Mm -hmm. and to empower others to know that nothing could ever, should ever stop you from achieving that which you are created to achieve. So tell us, how did you get to this point? I know when we started the conversation, you were telling me about your desire to become a lawyer and a politician.
2: Yes, that was my dream from a very early age. It would get a little emotional about it because as much as I embrace the difference and the communities that I am reaching, and, I, and I'm very honored that I get to do so, it doesn't mean I fully grieve the loss of the life that I had expected. Uh, actually, this past year, when I was a collaborative author in the Absolute Well book, I wrote about my latest diagnosis of the myasthenia gravis and how that impacted me and my family. As you can tell, still emotional about it. As I was writing the chapter, I realized, whoa, I thought I had grieved that. And I realized- It's okay. I- <laughs> I and I you know what? It's it. okay. Feel all the emotions. So. <laughs> and it's
1: all part of this process. Please right. feel it and let it propel you to tell this story from a place of authenticity, because that right. is what somebody needs to hear. They need to hear you and even see the tears that are coming from your eyes.
2: They and, need you know, to
1: know that it hurts.
2: It does. You know what you do. It it does hurt. and For me, I, although others find me to be quote unquote eloquent or a good public speaker, I will tell you i hopped on to clubhouse a year ago which just was my year anniversary last weekend so it actually has been a year since i've been on a clubhouse but i popped onto these platforms because with the myasthenia my ability to speak really became limited uh, my speech gets slurred very quickly as soon as i get tired i have which i hate the bird brain fog because this really has no does not in any way, shape or form express what the cognitive challenges are to search for words that you normally know and cannot get, or the loss of your train of thought in the middle of speaking to somebody, really frustrating. But I learned, I got on this, became a speaker on these platforms, moderating on these platforms to get comfortable speaking again. Most people have no idea how hard it is for me to speak or formulate my words. Not everybody could see right now, but this is about as big a smile as I can really get now because the nerves around my face don't work like everybody else, like the average person. Part of my face doesn't move at all and I can't feel it. So, if even the enunciation has to come internally from the inside of the mouth and not, and you know, as much as I can from the lungs that are at best 50% functioning. It's definitely more of a challenge. So you have the physical and the cognitive challenges on top of the emotional drain that it takes to do daily activity, because uh, not only do I have myasthenia gravis, I have a thing called POTS, or a lot of people, it's called it's from dysautonomic dysfunction. Uh, it's becoming more known now because a lot of people with long-term COVID end up having it. In my case with my post, my blood pressure that will go high or my most of the time really low and I'll lose consciousness. So I have a whole series of medications and treatments and my service dog who helps pull me, brace me, pick up things and medical alert because he does know before I do if I'm going to pass out. So my friend's here in Barking and I'm talking or moderating. The first question is, are you safe and are you okay? And then, you know, worrying about everything else. And I do all of this while I also have home fusion treatments. So I, you know, just have not that everybody could see, but I do have a port. Oh, yeah, infusion. I have, I I do infusions and I do IV fluids daily as well. Since I have GI issues, I can't drink the fluids that I need for my pots. So it's, and that's all on top of my original disorder of Ehlers Danlos, which is E H L E R S Danlos D A N L O S. It's a series of connective tissue diseases. In my case, once anything stretches, it cannot retighten. So other than what is fused, everything else either subluxes or dislocates. And many of my internal organs are affected as well. So it kind of is a running joke in my household of what is not affected versus what is affected When the doctor's like, hey, so what's going on with you today? And my family's like, well, what's not really happening is probably a shorter list than what is happening. So, it's a a very much of a falling apart body. And this is one of those examples where it is mind over matter. You know, it's not to say that my mind makes it that I can function because, quite frankly, I have significant limitations. However, I can choose what I do even from the bed. You know, and and I would say more than 70% of the time I'm in bed, I have a nice bed that inclines, I have a reclining chair in my office area. Have a whole crafting station next to my bed, a crafting station in my office, because I do a lot of crafting as my mindfulness programs mm-hmm. and activities. So it is about choosing how do I respond to the challenges, right? It's challenges are there. So now what do I do about it? And you know, as much as I do want to finish that law degree, as hard as it is not to have that degree, I, I realize I can't sit for the California bar exam, but I am an advocate. And I know that advocacy work, and we all know this, anybody who's been to a legislative office or even a doctor's office knows having a title of the higher education makes a difference in how we're treated. It yes. shouldn't, but it does, right? It does. And
3: <laughs> it, it makes does. that
2: difference. And being five units away out of an 88 unit program, having wheeled across the, the stage in my grandfather's doctor gown was really hard. And the fact that they wouldn't allow me to complete the degree, it was past the time limitations. It wasn't even having anything to do with my condition. To so me personally, the organization that made the compound for my internal pump, because I do have, I like to say I'm a cyborg or decommissioned cyborg when kids ask what's wrong with me. I have an internal pump for my pain management and it's compounded medications. They overdosed it by a significant amount that seamlessly impacted me for years to come. Then I had children and back surgeries and neck surgeries and pump surgery, a number of surgeries. I probably had about seven or eight surgeries over the 10-year period, ten year period. Developed my POTS and developed my gravis, started on some chemo treatments and other things and eventually asked to be able to complete it. And they said, no. So I'm still trying to battle that front and I'm not really yet winning that. But I have taken at least that experience and that knowledge to be able to help other communities. And, you know, I wouldn't give up the challenges I've had. I would take the less pain. I would completely and utterly take the less pain hands oh, down. <laughs> no doubt about it. Cause that is the one thing that they have the hardest thing doing is managing my pain. But I wouldn't give up the experience because I am much more empathetic than I've ever been before. It's like you said, we can't understand every single person's situation, but we can be more empathetic to listening to the experiences, you know. And in college, I worked at a disability center, so I worked with students that have everything from neurodiverse situations to actual cognitive damage from brain injuries to visual impaired, to physically impaired. But it wasn't until these disorders caused my own neurodiverse challenges. That I truly, really understood what it's like to lose track of what you want to say mid sentence. Or somebody from my friend who has cerebral palsy. Now, I did my first interview with somebody for I'm soon to be a podcast. She has cerebral palsy. And we were talking about how that stress can make it so much harder to get your words out or forget your words. And although I'm not in her situation, I can have so much more empathy now because I know how hard I have a hard time getting my words out. And I normally, which I don't have right next to me, but I normally have my iPad and my little adaptations for my handheld uh, pencil to be able to da- have a holder for it, to be able to make my notes. When I'm moderating, I always do that. Otherwise I will forget what I want to say or even who I'm speaking to. So I have all these nice little tricks, everything from voice recognition software, at times when my eyes are going bad, a version of voice over software, you know, and all these different things that have given me a different insight to what others are going through. And I do think it's, everything happens for a reason. And I am a former New Yorker who is really stubborn. So if some people say really brave, I'm not sure if it's brave or stubbornness or all of it combined, but being a type A New Yorker, we definitely have that um, tenacity. Let's go with that.
1: You're not giving up anytime soon, and and you know, yeah. and I feel like, you know, what you just said is a good surgery to my next question. Everything we go through in life is a buildup for what's coming next. You know, it's like if you're going through something right now, It's a test. It's like you're taking the classes and then you're going to be tested and then you're going to be tested for mastery. And if you don't pass the class and show mastery, you have to come back and take the class again, else you're not able to move on to the next level. So in many cases, in my little experience in life, I'm learning that. You know, a lot of these life le- life lessons that we're learning that are supposed to propel us to the next level. And the more we fight against it and we resist the, the urge or we resist the lessons and the tests and everything, rather than embracing it and saying, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? That, you know, all of these things, and then try to embrace it. I'm just, everything I'm telling you, I tell you, these are things that I struggle with. And I'm still trying to learn. I'm a student of life. So when I have my podcast, and I get to talk to amazing guests like you. I'm very blessed because for me, it enriches my life to say, wow, look at this person's story. And I'm able to take something away from it. And I realize that if I'm able to take something away from your story, that helps me. Every other person listening also has something to learn from it. So nobody would ever wish for something that happened to you, such as your situation. I would never wish it on anyone. And I know you would never wish it on anyone. But now you're such an amazingly empathetic, sensitive human being who is doing a lot more work than they did before they came into this situation. What are some of the things, the work that you're doing right now, in in light of your advocacy and being able to help people? What are some people? What are examples of the types of people that you're able to serve now within the capacity? You know, it's not the best of times, but it's not it's not the worst of times either. Would you agree so with me? I you? love
2: absolutely, um, and I love that question, and I and I'll definitely say it's definitely not the worst of times. Uh, last. Two months ago, I was in the hospital for almost two weeks with a blood rare blood infection. Not to simply, not, I have a desire to collect rare diseases. So I was actually there with a bacterium infection. My port had to be removed and oh. had to heal. And yeah, it was not a fun experience. But I did still moderate from the hospital and I did actually bring my uh, crafting supply to make Thank you cards for the nursing staff. Uh, I did my (laughs) surgery in July. I have to be the most unusual patient because in July, when I had June, when I had my last third, my third neck surgery, I had already pre-stamped and heat embossed uh, cards, and I brought all of my watercolor supplies, and I sat there moderating the gratitude room, coloring watercolor cards, and leaving them with the nursing community. Oh, and so yes, so I did have a doctor try to tell me I didn't do much. Kind of looked at him going how many patients you have coming to your rooms, doing artwork and, and leading gratitude rooms and mindfulness rooms and meditations at the same, like that's probably not your atypical patient. So I gave a little bit of an education moment there for the doctor, uh, but uh, in terms of- Oh my yeah, goodness, definitely, you're a doctor. So- doctor oh said, my- implied I didn't do anything because I was mostly bedridden. My husband instinctively took several steps back.
1: That was quite insensitive. And, you know, a lot of healthcare professionals have been accused of lacking bedside manner. You know, just being able to empathize. You are supposed to be a caregiver. And you're supposed to be the one that saves lives. And you're in there just saying things that are insensitive. You should be the number one person who understands the extent of the pain and the the situation the person is. And we have a lot of our physicians just being completely insensitive. They lend the skill, but I guess they don't lend the humanity part of it.
2: Well, and that's a problem, is they, they there's a disconnect with that. And I've had some absolutely phenomenal doctors, and they've been amazing. And my nursing staff, especially the ones in my home healthcare nurses, I, I love beyond belief. They have done so much for me. I've also though had a number that have uh, questioned me, questioned my abilities or my desire to do things. I even remember when I was first coming of age in, in college, and it was very clear, I'd already been diagnosed with a thing called RSD, now known as CRPS, which is chronic regional pain syndrome. It's actually extraordinarily painful where the nerves take any sensation as pain. Couldn't have blankets over my leg, couldn't wear stockings, nothing. And the doctor tried implying I wasn't doing anything with my life and compared me to somebody with knee surgery and was working again. Mind you, I was working a student job, was working in student government and was doing over 20 hours plus a week in community service. I really had to do an educational moment at that, at that particular time. Most are pretty good, but I do find I, I literally now when I'm in a doctor's office, I will make a list of the medications that I'm on, what, and if I'm in the hospital, what has been given to me, the half-life of what I start to not feel it working As because, especially with the ELR lows, we metabolize medication faster. Um, So what would be pain management for one person? It's not going to be pain management for me. And so, and also because I have very often not been treated with a whole centered patient approach, which I really strongly believe in, where you're taking in the whole mindset, the mindfulness, the mindset practice. You know, I've been doing meditation since I was 28. Now I will be 47 next month. I've been a meditator since I was 40, 28 years old. I've been leading meditations now for almost a year and a half. I, you know, you can't see it, but I have my singing bowls next to me in here. I do the singing bowls. I do sound bath therapy projects. You know, I do try, and I'm a very much creative endeavors. I do teach using mindfulness creative moments to bring together the whole mindset, mindfulness moments, as well as a gratitude. So I do believe in the whole patient, approach and pretty much i have done quite a lot of eastern and western medicine so i believe in balancing that as well but back to your question about you know where i'm at it's actually a couple major things happening for me right now i am just starting to record for my own podcast to start sharing uplifting and empowering stories of of women especially and with women 360 radio show with the Fireside Channel, and I did just record my very first interview for doing for a podcast, trying to fix the audio a little bit on it. Yay, congratulations. Thank you. I really want to highlight these stories of people. Another major thing, and I cannot miss saying this, because this is the month of February, at the end of this month is Rare Disease Week. It is the last day of the month is Rare Disease, is not international, I think it's international. It's definitely National Rare Disease Day. And it is a day where we focus on advocating for legislation that helps bring, if not research that will cure us, because we're not expecting miracles yet. Uh, I, ideally, we'd love cures, but there are over 7,000 rare diseases that do not have cures. But if we can at least bring attention to research that will help enhance our lifestyles, our quality of life. That is a plus, and especially because over 80% of these diseases affect children, many of which end up being fatal, you know? And I always get emotional when I say it, because I have a parent. I mean, my kids fortunately don't have these, but I've been at conferences where parents who are advocating have lost two. Like one of the my first Global Genes Conference that I went to two years ago, a, mom, a husband and wife team were given an award for their advocacy work. They lost two of their three children to a rare disease, oh, both wow. within a week of each other, you know, and it's heartbreaking to hear that, right? And heartbreaking to say it. So, this is the last day of the month, is a rare disease day. And we're working with a couple of different agencies to highlight what it is like to live with a rare disease, what it's like to go undiagnosed. Um, so many of us have a long, very long diagnostic journey. Mm. Uh, my first injury, I was 13, I was on crutches from age 13 on. And I wasn't diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos until I was almost 25. And it took almost eight years to get diagnosed with dysautonomia, dysautonomic dysfunction, at least another four or five to get myasthenia gravis diagnosed. Nonetheless, all my comorbidities. So it's to shine a light on what it's like to live with a rare disease. How does that impact your family? Uh, How does it impact your finances? I mean, I give the example all the time. I'm lucky. I'm married to my college sweetheart. And yet it still strains us. It's, I mean, we've been together for 26 years. It doesn't mean that there's not a strain because I'm either advocating or crashing, right? And it's, it's a very hard balance to find where I'm in too much pain to have the intimate moments that a husband and wife have because my pain levels are just, you know, sky high or yeah. the other element. My poor husband is stuck, you know, not stuck. He has a great job, but he can't necessarily leave that job right now because of the insurance I like the same definition of high upkeep because my medical expenses are really expensive and most insurance plans don't cover that so until if he ever wants to leave a job that he's at he can't until he can find a way to have medical coverage for me and that's not an unusual situation and I know I am way more blessed than so many people that I interact with. I mean, I was just, you know, a little just at one point in my rather room over there, but I was just a, on a call. We were just in a room at Clubhouse. I, we were just talking about living with chronic illness and how gratitude's changed our mindset. Almost all the other people, moderators, have to sell clothing or sell things that they have in their homes or not get medications that they need to get the medical care they need. Uh, one of my friends who I've been moderating with since the very beginning for the past year, her cat's sick. Her cat yeah. is her, her emotional support service at animal, right? She, that she lives alone. Her companions are her cats. One is really sick and she doesn't have money to cover for medications barely. Nonetheless, the $500 bill that just was received for today and whatever tests are going to be done tomorrow has to create a GoFundMe account just to raise funds for her cat. And and I, not, and I and I mentioned it's not to, for people to feel bad, but to realize that we want to do things, but most people don't have jobs that are part-time, that are willing to pay us to do a part-time position that for some people like her, wouldn't lose her security benefits or giving some coverage for medical care, but allow her to also be able to pay for the care of her cat. And so a woman needs to work at five, Fortune 500 companies, right? And now she can barely cover her basic daily living expenses so it's a goal of mine to shine a light on these challenges because they're real there are people that want to do things that have skills but they're not being connected with businesses and businesses are not understanding how to help right so it is now I'd love to be able to bridge that gap that's my longer term goal is to be that bridge between the disability arenas and the business worlds, saying here are people here are skills they have how can we unite this together to have contractual jobs to give them ability to make some money to at least without having to choose between medication and food nobody should have to nobody choose should have to
1: choose food. yes definitely miss fake oh my god that is wonderful so tell me about Victoria." I know your brand just kind of evolved quickly a little bit. It used to be. Yes. Variability. Variability. Now it's Victorious.
2: So tell us what yes. does Victorious do? So Victorious. So obviously it's the first part of Vic is my last name. Vic is My last name is Vic. So yes. uh, Victorious came about actually for one of my friends who is an ultra uh, athlete, ultra marathon athlete. Has suggested that name, and it really does fit because ultimately we want all people to be a victor in their own life, to yes. be a victor and sharing their story. You know, constantly, not constantly. Many of us hear that we should be the heroes in our own stories. Often, we don't see ourselves that way. Mm-mm. We look at ourselves in a very harsh light. I'm, I'm included in this. I have often look at myself way harsher than most people else will look at myself I will look at myself through a much different lens than I would look at anybody else but I'm changing that narrative to a narrative of empowerment of uplifting myself and uplifting those around me so the victorious is really looking at the whole person and uplifting people together you know and and my little symbol has the two hands kind of like the hands that hold the heart or the earth but instead it's holding a wheelchair person in a wheelchair right person in a wheelchair person standing because together we all can be victors right we can all be victorious and it's doing it together it also it's reminiscent of my wedding dance as well so I won't lie I saw (laughs) that little icon and I am blessed because my husband um we weren't able to have our nice ceremony until five years ago but oh. we had a beautifully choreographed wedding dance it's actually on YouTube and
0: I oh. was in the wheelchair
2: we had a fully danced and it was to our, our our wedding song and it was a gorgeous experience and I even had a dip at the end oh, I mean it was dip. a dream yes wow.
1: that was nice yeah I-, I,
2: I trusted him he just me I trusted it I was just
1: She's a little scary. <laughs> yes. But I that trust was it. oh my God, that sounds so sweet. I'm definitely gonna go search for that video to watch it as well. Honestly, Miss Ms. Deborah, your story is very inspiring. But not only have you gone through all of these debilitating conditions that have and continues to break your body down, you know, but you're you're not allowing that to stop you in your tracks you're not freezing through life and just allowing life to happen to you you are one of those wonderful champions who embraces you're embracing everything and you're allowing life to happen for you and that that's why you're going full throttle a lot of people on wisdom don't realize this but there's a picture of miss deborah up here where she's wearing a beautiful tiara so she is a pageant queen. And I'm like, say what? And that was one of the things <laughs> that attracted me to her because as soon as I heard pageant queen, I said, what? A lady in a wheelchair who's into pageantry? That's my kind of girl. Because I also have this pageant system that I shared with you that allows us here to advocate for youth and families to live beyond domestic violence. But you're taking your yourself and putting yourself in a position to say, look, regardless of what situation life throws you in, there is beauty in every situation. And that's what I see in this story, that there's beauty within, there's beauty all around you, and every situation can be just as beautiful as you're willing to see it and make it out to be. So tell us a little bit about your Miss Wheelchair California title. That
2: is awesome, Miss Deborah. Thank you. So it is Miss Wheelchair California USA. There is two different uh, wheelchair competitions. Uh, This one, the one that I'm in involves advocacy as well as a pageantry element. So uh, actually part of our responsibility is to be in events four times a month showcasing the advocacy work. So if anybody ever needs somebody to show up, please let me know. Yeah, always looking for opportunities Mm -hmm. to share that. Part of it is a social media. So if you look at my social media, you'll start to see I'm starting to do, which is way out of my comfort zone, the reels and things like that to share, you know, my story as one who's been behind a camera since the age of 13. It is really weird to be in front of a camera, but I'm finding it's really important. And I'm finding it because even right now, we don't have every state having a representative in this competition, partly because women with disabilities are very often not highlighted in social media in the movies in any kind of magazines or anything to that extent and seen as beautiful I came of age on crutches I had a lot of bullying people kicking out crutches from underneath me because I was going down at the time people grabbing my chest as well people saying I was faking it uh, and, and really made me made it so that I felt not accepted in social settings I knew i was accepted in anything to do with political settings and then everybody knew i was i was gearing myself for a political career even in high school my senior year i helped charter uh, the suffolk county's chapter of national women's political caucus so i was always planning very from an early age for that career in politics but in terms of the social acceptance the parties the interactions there was very little of that and very, for a very, very long time, did not see myself as beautiful, as acceptable, or even as part of society because of how I looked. And of course you add full leg braces, a full back brace, which I don't have right next to me, but I actually have a neck brace as well. You know, you add all that, a wheelchair, a service dog, an oxygen tank. I got a whole lot of stuff going on and it was really hard to feel beautiful in that. Yeah. My husband, fortunately, still finds me beautiful, which is very helpful. And, you know, when this opportunity came about, and largely because two of my friends have done this competition before, fellow advocates also with LR's Danlos, uh, my friend right now, she's Miss Washington State, Kello, uh, USA, and my friend last year, she was uh, with Miss, Miss Texas. And so very recommended that I do this, partly to share my advocacy work, partly from my empowering work, you know, for example, I connected with a group that I had volunteered with just for a short while before I moved out of the Bay Area to uplift and showcase young adults that are creating fashion designs and sustainability fashion designs. And I want to highlight them, have them create something for me and then highlight these youth in their fashion show by wearing things that they create. So I'm looking at it both as a way to Uplift people with disabilities as well as showcase all the different kinds of talents that we have out there, whether you're disabled or not, you know, yeah. and bringing that together in a setting. And in fact, uh, the program is Party Program. They are doing amazing work with uh, youth in underprivileged communities trying to teach leadership, provide leadership skills, provide anti bullying programs, and support the youth in these diverse communities. So just connect with them, asking if anybody wants to design something that I can. Highlight for them because I'd love to bring together that education element as an educator, as one who has been involved in STEM education.
1: I will definitely, I would definitely love to take you up on that part because definitely you being able to work with the Honeydrops Foundation would be an honor and a blessing because your message of hope, your message of inspiration, education. A lot of young girls will learn a lot because there's a lot of young girls who are able bodied. You know, they might just feel like they're not beautiful because of the color of their skin or the shape right. of their body or some things that society, somebody has said to them or not even said to them, they see represented on social media what the Mm -hmm. ideal beautiful person needs to look like. And they're looking at themselves and like, I don't look like that. So inevitably what they're telling themselves is if I don't look like that, then there must be something wrong with me. So your message transcends beyond the disabled community. It goes into every, even you would be amazed. Like I get to work with a lot of women. I run a med spa. I get to encounter beautiful women who come in needing services, but at the core of the need of those services is their need to compensate something that's missing, to compensate for something that they feel they need to add on in order to feel their best self. So this message is going to help Every human, everybody. So I really commend you for doing all of the amazing work that you you do. And I know that I've stretched you a little bit tonight, and I would hate for you to be fully exhausted after this interview, Miss Deborah. No,
2: but it's have- okay. You know, I just I just want to highlight something. You said um, yes, is that this crosses over all different boundaries, right? And all different, you know, it's something. When I first started advocating, I thought it was only in the disability arena. And, and it's kind of full circle for me because mm-hmm. my original goal was to be a lawyer, not to just la- becoming a lawyer, it was to serve underserved communities, especially coming from New York, seeing a very big disparity in legal representation and in yes. education, mm-hmm. not just socioeconomic lines, but ec- uh, ec- color skin, racial lines. I mean, just coming from Long Island, there was a very big difference in the different communities and access to education. And that impacted me greatly at an early age. And now it's kind of coming full circle because I'm able to start bringing that, and my master's is in higher education, but diversity and recruitment in higher education. And now I'm seeing the ability to take those skills of the need for diversity and equity in education to the beauty world, to the mindset, World to the equity in medical care, which is for those that don't know, it is very inequitable (laughs) based on both racial and economic lines. So it's 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 kind of becoming full circle, and I'm feeling I'm where I'm meant to be now that all of these other experiences helped me learn how I can be better where I'm at. And obviously I am light-colored, white-skinned woman, and I cannot say what it feels like to be a person of color but I do hear the stories. I can't fully understand that. And I get that, Uh, but I have been told both in my master's and my legal program that I would not graduate because disabled people don't graduate so don't bother starting. So I have an inkling. It's not the same thing. It's not a daily experience, but it's an inkling of learning that we've not all been treated equally and that everybody deserves that chance listened to uplifted and shown that beauty that we have yes
1: it's amazing because whatever it is that we all claim to go through in life for me I'm an indigenous African right and I'm here as an immigrant over 17 years but there's still this issue where I can honestly say it took me a while and even up until recently for me to begin to fully understand and appreciate the plight of the African-Americans. Because now, yeah, because yes, you see the color of my skin. I look just like an African-American, but would you imagine that there's still a disparity between us? And we still have this divide where we're like, oh, Africans have certain privileges that they're able to take advantage of that African-Americans don't. And we have such a miscommunication and misunderstanding of each other's plight. You know, just like you're saying, if we can all be sensitive, a whole lot more sensitive to each other, show more empathy, listen a little bit harder, not to respond, but to understand what the other person is going through in order to be able to live better, to have equitable existence between ourselves. You know, even though you were not or you're not ever going to be a lawyer or politician, I can honestly say you are doing so much more in this position than you would ever have been able to do if you had become some lawyer or some politician. Because now you're not just serving people who truly need to be served. You are serving from a place of knowing. You are serving from a place of heart. You're not just doing it for an agenda. You're doing it because this is what your life mission has played out to be it has come full circle for you. And you're able to say, look at my life, because this is my life. This is why I am so much more highly qualified to advocate, to speak, to educate you, to help raise awareness and to help find solutions to the plight of not just disabled people, but just humans, period, humans who are Perfect. facing injustice, humans who are facing lack of exposure or lack of access to funds and, you know, the things that they need. So your life is serving a higher purpose. It's, it's just, I don't want to say it's unfortunate because it's never unfortunate. I believe God walks in very wondrous ways. He walks in very miraculous ways. He might have taken you through, or I don't think he took you through it. But, <laughs> because I, I don't I, I know for a fact that God is good and the only thing he does is good. Only good things emanate from him. So whatever your life has been able to experience so far, the good thing about God is he has been able to take it and use it for the good of humanity. And that is what half of us can even hope to achieve, being able-bodied, being full of mind, being full of energy every single day. A lot of people are still not extending themselves enough to be able to do all that they're called to do. So me being able to share this conversation with you today is a privilege and an honor because so many people are gonna hear your story. So many people are going to see your heart. So many people are going to see all of the things you've told me about all of your conditions. And I'm telling you, they're so rare. I've never heard of a lot of them. That's why (laughs) they're rare. That's why they're rare. I'm like, what is she talking about? What does that mean? But you know well, and So,
2: myasthenia gravis, by the way, is in the same family as MS, MLA, okay, MA, okay. Under, under the umbrella of MDA, of muscular dystrophy. Uh, actually, I say M- muscular dystrophy association, but it's under that umbrella. But it's similar in symptoms to neuromyelitis or to myositis, myositis. And it can impact, in my case, my vision is impacted, my breathing is impacted. It means grave muscular weakness, by the way, wow. in Latin so yeah there's a lot of not so fun things but you know something that you pointed out is that and especially with COVID, so many of us have dealt with isolation now people like myself we've been having isolation for quite some time because i can't drive mm-hmm. so uh, you know i've lost my ability to drive it'll be eight years since i haven't had a license now and it's which is not fun by the way when you have kids but that's again it's that reality But with COVID, so many people have gone through the emotional crisis of isolation or that loss of job, right? Or the illness and what that illness did to their bodies. And some people that are still recovering from long COVID or have been significantly impacted by it or by their family members. We're all at a point of this crisis right now of learning to cope, learning how to find gratitude in in light of whatever despair one might be finding right and for me you know common room that i was just in a little while ago was how do you find living with chronic illness and how gratitudes change our mindset right and for me i practice gratitude on a daily basis my self-affirmations on a daily basis and I have my singing bowls, although I do play them with other people. I play them just as much for myself, for recentering my own chakras and bringing my energy into oh. alignment. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it applies for all of us.
1: If I can bother you for one very last thing, if we can spend the next final 60 seconds doing some directed meditation, like you will do to motivate and inspire us and maybe our audience. Can we just round up this interview on that very quiet note where you can guide us through meditation in gratitude because I'm extremely grateful for you. I'm extremely grateful for the privilege to. I've met you for a couple of months now. You and I have had several conversations and I'm so glad to call you my friend, Deborah. But if you would guide us in a last one minute meditation to close off this podcast interview in gratitude, I think it will be fitting because I'm grateful. I am grateful for you and for the privilege to do this with you and so many other people. For us to use your story and so many stories to serve humanity, doing the best we can to add value. I'm grateful for that.
2: I am as well, and thank you. And I happen to have, because this is my quiet area of <laughs> my closet without disruptions from my children. So I'm just going to tons of air, tons of space. with my little
3: oh, shoot chimes. I'm going to invite you. Just take a breath. You roll your shoulders back. As I take a deep breath, I'm going to ask you, to invite you, if you're comfortable, to close your eyes. Take your hand, your left hand, and put it over your heart. And your other hand, put it on your belly. And as you're breathing in, let your belly expand with the air. Slowly release the tension. As your left hand is over your heart, just let it feel the warmth and the glow as we're focusing on heart centered energy to fill our space. Just for today, I'm just going to take a moment to think of something you were grateful for. Could be listening to this podcast, could be the space around you, the people around you. The air, or just for being present. Take this moment, find that one thing that you can focus on in that gratefulness moment. You might find hearing that sound in the background as I'm playing the heart chakra Sharing. A beautiful sense of peace, gratefulness to be here, be with you, and sharing this moment together. As so you're breathing in, breathe in a sense of calm, of peace, releasing anything that no longer serves you. Might even take a moment as you're breathing in, to breathe in a golden light of more beautiful energy, filling you from your crown to your toes. Just knowing that you are surrounded by a loving light And as you're breathing in. No, this light is your light. This light is with you, here and now. The light that you can come and visit anytime, any place that you need. Simply putting your hand over your heart, breathing in. Of love, peace, and kindness within you and around you, spirit, your spirit, around with love and compassion. Ask as you open your eyes to take a feeling of love and compassion with you for the remainder of today and for the days that come.
1: Oh, that was so relaxing! Thank you so much, Miss Deborah.
2: You. Guys, by it's the way, been... my husband. What's that? <laughs> my husband laughs because he says he knew me for twenty six years and never knew I had a calming voice that could be used for <laughs> meditation. Well, your voice
1: is so soothing. That was so relaxed. Honestly, gosh, this has been an amazing interview, guys. I have had so much fun chatting with the Queen of Wheels, the story of Miss Deborah Vick, victoriously moving from disability to becoming a pageant queen. We are so proud of you. Keep shining. And we still have some other, you know, some more work because some stuff is out here that you're definitely going to be able to support us in so we're very very grateful and looking forward to that all right guys it's been an amazing time this has been 60 seconds with dr oj this particular podcast is available on itunes spotify google Anchor, and every other platform and of course on wisdom so check us out subscribe listen in if the message resonates with you leave us a kind review and help us spread this message of hope light and love to help other people move the needle forward in finding solutions to their lives every single day. You never know, you never know. But we definitely want you to connect with us. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're dropping amazing content every single Friday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We have wonderful content dropping. So make sure you subscribe and turn your notification on for that programming as well. And join us on every social media platform. Let's get social, let's connect. Give us your feedback and share your thoughts with us on 60 Seconds with Dr. OJ and Dr. OJ Speaks. Thank you so much, Ms. Deborah Vick, for the time we've spent together today. I look forward to connecting with you again real soon. Please go take your well-needed and deserved rest. (laughs) I will be with you soon. I appreciate you, my dear. God bless you.
3: Thank you.